that the Holy Spirit will speak to you this morning. That the entrance of God's words will bring light and understanding unto you. That your life will never be the same again. As that the Holy Spirit will throw light upon his word for you. Your life will be changed. Your life will never be the same again. Thank you, Lord. Speak to your hearts.
Holy Spirit, you speak to us. Let the entrance of your words bring light and understanding unto us. Let our lives never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm excited to continue our series, The Secret Place. Um, last week, we had a little break as we were dealing with the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and the benefit to us. And today, we want to resume the series, The Secret Place. So we're going to look at the part four of this series. The part four of this series. And I want us to just set our hearts on what God is going to teach us. Amen. And so we established from the previous weeks that the secret place is a hiding place. The secret place is a hiding place. We want to talk about the secret place. The place that God hides us. It is a place that God keeps us secured so that nothing evil can work against our lives. And so that is the secret place. We also learned or discovered that God uses everything at our disposal, everything at our disposal to get us into a place of safety. And so God will use the good that is happening in your life. God will use the bad that is working in your life. God will use the mistakes that you have made. God will use everything to work together for your good in order to get you to the place where you can be safe and sound in him. And so, I want you to know that God uses the darkness in our lives to get us into a place of safety. Hallelujah. The, 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 the next thing that we learned in the third, step, the third of the series is that God is going to hide you when you make his house your priority. When the house of God becomes your priority and you set your heart to be in God's house, to seek God, and to devote yourself to God, then God will also, what? Hide you. And so the psalmist says, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In fact, when we seek to be in the house of God, and not just be in the house of God, but be committed and devoted to serving in the house of the Lord, God also takes interest in our own lives. So today we are going to look at a popular passage, one that a lot of people, I mean, know by heart. And Sometimes it's very funny because sometimes you go, you, you go visit some people and they've opened their Bibles to this particular passage and in their minds, I mean, it's supposed to protect me because that is what the Bible says. So we're going to turn our Bibles to Psalm 91 verse 1. Psalm 91 verse 1. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who does what? dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. How many of you have come across this passage before? How many of you have heard of it before? Seen it? How many of you have opened your Bibles to Psalm 91 and put it under your pillow? <laughs> you have done that before. That's, that's, that's good. Thank you, Gabriel. Honest. And so, and so, we believe so much in Psalm 91 because we believe that it is the protection of the Lord. We believe in the assurances that God has given to us in that passage. In fact, some theologians allude to the fact that this psalm was written by Moses. And the reason why they say that is because Moses wrote Psalm 90. So they are 
I mean, they, they try to link it up and say that Moses was the one who wrote it. Others also think that it is David who wrote this psalm. You know, the, the interesting thing about David and Moses, whichever of them wrote it, they had an intimate relationship with the presence of God. Moses could go into the presence of God and for 40 days and 40 nights, he's locked up inside there. And then he comes out and he comes with the commandments of God. He comes with the ordinances of God. He comes with the word of God. David was a man who loved the presence of God so much that he could even play the, the, the harp and then um, evil spirits would depart from Saul. So whichever of them wrote this psalm, and we can't concretely tell, there were people who understood the presence of God and knew the value of God's presence. So if someone like that is telling you that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, then they understand what they are saying. I, I, I think there's a proverb. I don't know whether I'm saying it rightly. But it said if the toad comes out of the water and tells you that there's a crocodile, you must what? Believe it. Because the toad is in the water. So he knows that there's a crocodile there. He can't tell you there's a crocodile. You have to what? believe it. So if there's someone who has established an effective relationship with God, and the person tells you that when you dwell in the secret place, you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then you have to what? believe that person. So I'm going to try to help us understand this passage. Now, this verse is broken into two parts. The first part is what I call a required action. The action that is required is that he who dwells where? In the secret place of the Most High. So there's a required action. The required action is that you have to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. The second part of the verse is a promised result that when you do the action, this is the result that you are promised. And the result is that you shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So let's take a look at the required action. The required action, the psalmist says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And there are three key words that are used in the required action. The first one is dwell. When the psalmist says dwell, it is the same Hebrew word we looked at two weeks ago when David said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may what? Dwell in the house of the Lord. The same Hebrew word yashab is used. So it says that when you are dwelling in a place, it means you remain in that place. It means you abide in that place. It means a place that you don't come and go. It's a place where you stay. So he says, he who dwells in the secret place, he who stays where? In the secret place. He who remains in the place. In fact, the word yashab, which is translated dwell, also means to settle or to marry. And the idea is that you are committed to something. It's a lifelong commitment. So when he says that you dwell in the secret place, it means you are committed to the secret place. It's a lifelong commitment. It's not something that you do a little and then you go out. You, you are so committed to being in this place called what? The secret place. Now, this word dwell is also used to describe someone who is in the presence of God. So, when it says you dwell in the secret place, it means what? You abide in the presence of God. 
Now, the second phrase that is used in the required action is the secret place, which I've explained throughout this series. But we realize that the word secret place means a cover. It gives us the idea of protection. And, and we realize that the secret place is actually God himself. God is his own secret place. Within him, we have our safety. Within him, we have our security. Within him, nothing can fight against us because he is an all-powerful God and no other power can fight against him. So the secret place is actually the place of intimacy with God, the place of building a relationship with God because in God, you find what? Absolute security. But the psalmist also qualifies with the third word. He says the secret place of the Most High. Now, when you are reading the Bible, it's very important for you to take note of the words that are used. You could have said he who dwells in the secret place of God, right? Or he who dwells in the secret place of the Lord. But now he employs a very important word. He who dwells in the secret place of what? The most high. And the most high refers to God as the highest. In fact, it refers to God as God whom no one else can be compared to. He is high above all else. When we say he is the highest, it means that there are higher God, there are, there are higher ones, or there are high ones, right? But he is far above all of them. In school, we used to have, a, what do you call it? When you write exams and then they, they give their grades, their results, there's the person who is first in class, there's a person who is second in class, have you realized that the results come and then you're happy you've got 92? Then you're happy. I'm excited. You think you're, you're high. Then someone just comes and then brings their people and then they see 100. Then all of a sudden, you're like, uh, you realize that you're high, but there's a higher one. Someone is higher. In fact, the funny thing is when the 92 is jubilating and then the 96 comes and says, I got four more than you. Then all of a sudden, the one with the 100 comes and then both of you realize, Charlie, you are lower than the 100. The 100 is the highest. And he's saying that there are gods who are high. There are other beings who are high. But there's one who is called the most high. He is the highest. He's above all of them. And they are not in his class. Can I tell you, people of God, that there's absolutely no God that is in the class of God. If a God is in his own league, it's just like comparing a class two child with a university student. You, you can't, I mean, it, it's, it's an irrational comparison because they can't write the same exams. They can't do the same thing. And he's saying that God is far above all other gods. So when the psalmist says, dwell in the secret place, the idea is that you make the place of the most high your lifelong commitment. It is a life commitment to the presence of God. You are making the presence of God your living place where you are completely covered. And the reason why you are completely covered is because the one that you have made your secret, uh, your dwelling place is the highest. So really, there's absolutely nothing in life that can fight against you because you are dwelling with the most high. He's far above. So they can't even reach him. How can they reach you if they can't reach him? If you are dwelling with him, then they can't reach you because what? They can't reach God. Please send to your neighbor and tell the person, they can't reach you because they can't reach God. Turn to another neighbor and tell the person, they can't reach you because they can't reach God. 
So the psalmist is saying that when we dwell in the presence of God, we spend time in the presence of God. We make the presence of God our dwelling place. You keep on communicating with God. You keep on spending time with Him. It is a lifestyle. It's not something that you do sometimes, but something that you do always. This is what happens. You now abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that becomes our promised result. So the required action is for us to be in the presence of God what? at all times. It is something that you have to consciously work at. It is something that you have to make up. Look, every single, the slightest moment you get, just you have to spend that time in the presence of God. Now let's look at the promised result. He says that when you dwell in the secret place, this is the result that God is promising you. You shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Again, under the shadow of the Almighty, you have three words there. You have abide, you have shadow, and then you have what? Almighty. The word abide here means to stay permanently or to remain. It means that you are not moved out of place. You are in a place of your own. So he says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall do what? Abide. It means that when you, when you make the presence of God your lifelong commitment, you will not easily be moved. You know, today people are easily moved. Something later happens, you are moved. Hey, the world is coming to an end. You are moved. The economy is breaking down. You are moved. Uh, China and uh, U.S. are going to fight. You are moved. Russia and Ukraine are fighting. You are moved. COVID has come and gone. You are still moved. Because <laughs> you are wondering what will come after COVID. Every little thing moves you because you are not planted in the secret place. So people, you know, the language of people today is, oh, nowadays the world is hard. Nowadays things are difficult. Nowadays I don't know, I don't know what is going to happen next. Yes, it's true the world is hard. Yes, it's true things are difficult. Yes, it's true things are not easy. But the truth is that when you are in the presence of God, you are not easily moved. You are not moved. In the same season, when you find yourself in the presence of God, in the same season that others are complaining and saying that, Charlie, life is hard, or things are not going well. In that same season, because you are in the presence of God, he established you. So he says you, you will abide. You will stay there. You will dwell there. And, and that's a beautiful thing. When others are not getting contracts, like, hey, the system is not flowing. Then you haven't even advertised, but God now allows you to have contracts coming that you never advertise for because what you are in the secret place and you abide you you are planted you are established you remain there and in fact the word abide that the writer uses the hebrew word actually is used for spending the night in fact, historically, the travelers, when people were traveling, unlike today where we have cars and you know, other things, they could travel for long distances because they didn't have, you know, faster means of transport. And they didn't have a lot of houses and buildings like we have. You could travel a very long distance and space before getting to a place. And what happens is that when you're traveling, you have to find a place to lodge in the night for safety and for rest. 
And the reason why that happens is because in your journey, you become very tired. You become very worried. You become, you know, you run out of strength. But in the night, people can attack you. Thieves can attack you because you're traveling. You're traveling with things. So in the olden days, what they do is that when you're traveling and it's becoming dark, you have to find a good place so you can go and rest and spend the night for your own safety and refreshment so that in the morning you can pick yourself up again and continue your journey. So the psalmist says that if you dwell in the secret place, if you make the presence of God your lifelong commitment, this is what's going to happen. You are going to have safety through the journeys of life. You get to a place and you are so tired in life and God says, I am the one who will refresh you. I am the living water. Come to me. And when you drink of me, you will never thirst again. When you are journeying through life and you are, I mean, pursuing certain things, people would do all forms of things to attack you, to harm you. But he says that when you dwell in the secret place, you'll be like that, the traveler who gets to a place and then what? He finds a place of safety to dwell in. Because the fact that you need a place of safety does not mean you find a place of safety. Because you can travel for a very long distance and get into the night. That is why Jacob, how many of you read about Jacob? He slept he slept on a stone because he couldn't find a place to abide. So he had to travel and then when he got to a place in the middle of the night, he put stones there and then he slept there. So some people travel and they don't get a place to run into to hide. But it says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are what? They are safe. When the presence of God becomes your preoccupation, what happens is that God keeps you what? Safe. And God keeps you refreshed. So he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now the word shadow in the Hebrew means shade. Have you realized that sometimes you're walking in the sun and then the sun is so scorching. The day you don't know who went to turn the, the temperature of the sun. And it's so scorching. The other day, I was working on my laptop and then, you know, usually gives me updates. So, I saw the weather update and it was at 46 degrees. I said, since when did we get to 46 degrees? Very hot. And you know, when you're going through that scorching sun, you are almost like, I need a place to rest. I need a place to be able to hide me from the heat of the sun. And immediately you get to a big tree. What the tree does is that it casts a shade. And when it casts a shade, you know, what is really casting the shade is the shadows that the tree is, 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 is throwing. And so you go under the tree and uh, finally, away from the sun. Or sometimes you are standing at the bus stop. You want, you're waiting for a vehicle. The vehicle is taking very long. You are looking for what? A place of shade. That's why some people have done these um, sitting spaces at the bus stop. So you can have what? Shade. And, and the whole idea of having shade is that it becomes a covering from external effects because of the shadow. That is why it says, you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The shade is the shadow that is cast. 
and it, it, it covers you. It, it becomes your defense. So when it says that you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, it means that there are external things that are affecting other people and, 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 and everyone is feeling the external effect of what is happening. But when you are in the secret place, the Lord casts a shadow over you. And when he casts a shadow over you, everyone will be saying the same thing, but you'll be saying something different. And they are thinking you are not in the same Ghana, but you are in the same Ghana. Yeah. You see, so when you make the presence of God your lifelong commitment, he is going to cast what? A shade over you. That's why he says that the sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. When the Lord is what? Your help. He says, I'll lift up my eyes unto the earth. From whence come my, my help? My help comes from the Lord who made what? The heavens and the earth. Then he says that he will not allow your foot to be moved. He that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Then he says that he will not allow the sun to smite you by day, nor the moon by night. And he's not talking about the literal sun, but he's trying to tell you that when things become very harsh and you are striking others, as for you, you'll be safe and sound in the Lord. Shout a big amen. amen. As for you, you'll be covered in the Lord. Shout a big amen. amen. As for you, the Lord will become your defense. Shout a big amen. amen. In the same industry, other people's businesses might be collapsing, but yours will stand. In the same school, other people might be failing the same paper, but you will pass. In, in, in every circumstance, in other people's, I mean, marriages are failing, but yours will stand. Other people's children are going wayward, but yours will not go wayward. When, whatever external factors are affecting other people, because you are in the presence of God, he, he keeps you. He casts a shadow over you, and you come under the shade of the Lord. But look at what he says, the, the final word there, is that he says, under the shadow of who? The Almighty. Now remember, the first one, he says, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Then the second one, he says, you will you will abide under the shadow of what? The Almighty. And he uses the word Almighty because, you see, when the writers are writing, they write in Hebrew, so they understand very well what they are writing. The word Almighty is the same word that God used when he appeared to Abraham in Genesis 17 verse 1. He says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and what? Be blameless. Now, this word almighty in the Hebrew is a word Shaddai. It is a word that means the sufficient or all-powerful God. In fact, let me read a little from my, my, my Bible dictionary. The title Shaddai really indicates the fullness and richness of God's grace. And it reminds the Hebrew reader that from God comes every good and perfect gift. That he is never weary of pouring forth his mercies on his people. And that he is more ready to give them than they are to receive. The title Shaddai points to the inexhaustible stores of God's bounty. So when he says he is the almighty, he is talking about a God who can provide everything. In fact, when the Hebrew writer or the Hebrew reader is reading the word Shaddai, he sees God who is more ready to provide than you are ready to receive. In other words, what, what it means is that Ike, if you are expecting God to give you, let's say, 5K, God is more willing to give you more than the 5K than you are willing to receive. So when God releases 
You are expecting 5K, but God releases 10K. Someone says, praise the Lord. Let it be my portion. Because God is not a God who is limited to your needs. He is called the more than enough God. He is called the all-sufficient God. He is called the El Shaddai. In fact, other Hebrew theologians have described this word Shaddai as the double-breasted one. Because they break the word into two, Shad and then Day. There are two different words. When you bring them together, it's talking about a God. You see, when the, when, when the baby is breastfeeding, and the mother puts the baby on the left one or the right one, whichever one goes first. The baby sucks, but the mother puts the baby on the right one too. Then the baby sucks, and by the time the baby sucks and then and, and is full, the baby, like a baby I, I, I heard of, that baby could suck and then then he closes his eyes and then he's gone. Because what? He has been satisfied. He has drunk from the left and drunk from the right. So he has received everything that he needed. And he's saying that when God is our El Shaddai, we draw from him everything that we need. So when he's talking about being under the shadow of the Almighty, he's not just talking about God protecting you from your enemies. It means that God provides so much that your safety is in his provision. You know, some of the things that you would that will become dangerous to you as a result of the fact that you don't have anything. I realize luck can get you into trouble. Luck can get you into dangerous places. You go borrowing and then they'll be they'll come chasing you for money. And you can't find the money. The next time they send you to court. Isn't that trouble? Yeah. But when God provides, what happens? You are dwelling in safety. So the, the, the writer says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of God, the Almighty One. It means that every area of your life is covered in God. There is nothing lacking. God provides for everything. Everything that you need in life, God provides. God makes the provision. God releases it into your life. God makes it happen for you. And he's saying that you have to just dwell where? In the secret place. You know, I, I, I want to be in God who can provide for every area of my life. I want to be in God who can sort out my financial life. Who can sort out my social life. Who can sort out my mental life. Who can sort out my emotional life. Who can sort out my schooling? Who can sort out my job? Who can sort out every area of my life? That's the God I want. And he's called the what? The almighty God. He's called the all-sufficient God. He's called the, the God who is able to do more than enough. So there is no limitation in him. And that is where we have our absolute security. Because everything is what? Provided for by this God. And the truth is that no one can bluff us. So the rest of the psalm reads this way. Psalm 91 verse 2 to 16. Because it says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The rest reads like this. It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Then it says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under
under his wings you shall take what refuge his truth shall be your shield and buckler you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday when others are afraid of what is fighting them you shall not be afraid because the lord god almighty is your secret place and you are under his shadow he says a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it shall not come near you only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked then he says because you have made the lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling you see when you make god the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you and no plague shall come near what your dwelling sometimes we quote the scriptures and we don't understand says as long as i dwell in the presence of god no evil shall what come near me in fact what people even consider as evil is not evil when i am in the presence of god and he says for he shall give his angels charge over you he gives his angels command over you they tell him that ike i mean god tells the angel samuel and to someone ike is your responsibility make sure that you take care of him god has given what a charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra the young lion and the serpent shall trample you shall trample underfoot then he says because he has set his love upon me therefore i will deliver him that's what god is saying i will set him on high because he has known my name he shall call upon me and i will answer him I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can you imagine? When you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, he says, with long life, he will, he will satisfy you. And he will show you his salvation. You see, our total security is in the presence of God. When I dwell in the presence of God, eh, Muhammad, what happens is that when I'm going to take a step, because I'm in the presence of God, God orders my step. So the long life he's talking about, I might have fallen into an accident situation, but because I was in the presence of God, God told me, or God, somewhere, somewhere, something happened and I was delayed. And the next moment, the accident happened. And I'm like, one minute away from the accident, God satisfied me with what? Long life. And he says, I will show him my salvation. If you want to see the salvation of the Lord on a continual basis, dwell where? In the secret place. In the presence of God. Now we are going to end with this. How do we dwell in the secret place of the Most High? Five important things to do. How do we dwell? The first one is what I call desire. You must have what? a desire for the secret place when we talk about desire it means you are hungry you must have an intense craving to dwell in god's presence without desire you can't pursue the presence of god how many of you have woken up one early morning and you had a desire for watching yeah have you realized that the desire will make you look for the watching I mean, that morning, there's absolutely nothing anyone can do to change your mind. This morning, you want the watching. 
You woke up and the watcher was in your mind. The watcher was in your heart. It was in your spirit. They, eh, no matter what they said, watch it. And sometimes you see the desire is not just any watcher. There's a particular watcher. Some people can drive a whole distance for that watcher because desire is so powerful. It can drive you to do things. And if you don't have desire for the presence of God, you can't find yourself where in the presence of God. You have to have a desire for the presence of God. So one of the prayers you're going to pray today, in fact, you should even say it right now. Say, Lord, give me desire for your presence. No, say it again. Lord, give me desire for your presence. You have to have what? A desire, a craving. When you wake up in the morning, there must be a desire for God. For his presence. Some of us when we wake up, God, God is nowhere near our desires. So he's nowhere in our minds. Ah, the first thing we are thinking about is Charlie, that job, how to go and do that pa, pa, pa movement. Or for some of us, the, the, the desire is to talk to that girl that you have been chasing for a very long time. Your desires are in different places. And whatever the desire is, that is what, what pushes you. And it takes me to the second thing. From desire is decision. When you desire, you must what? Decide. And decision means that you are resolute. You are firm. You have made up your mind that you want to be in the presence of God and nothing can change your mind. You have to, you have to, you have to decide. You have to make what? A choice. Because there are many things that are going to fight for your attention. When you wake up in the morning, your phone is fighting for your attention. Your girlfriend is fighting for your attention. <laughs> Someone, something is, else is fighting. Job is fighting for your attention. Business is fighting for your attention. A lot of things are fighting. But you have to what? Make a decision. And the decision is that when I wake up, I want to be what? In the presence of God. That decision must be there before you sleep. And it takes us to the third one. Design. And when I talk about design, it means that you are planning it out. Your design decision is not enough. You must be intentional with the plan in place to develop intimacy with God's presence. And Wednesday, Selena has a question about, I mean, what about making sure that you have specific times that you are going to pray? Because we are talking about being able to talk to God. And that's actually design. Des design your life in a way that you have specific intentional times of prayer. Every four o'clock, I want to be up. You have to plan it into your schedule. Every 9 p.m., I want to pray. You have to what? plan it into your schedule. You have to design a life of intimacy with God. You have, it has to be so conscious that, that you work it till you get to a point where you don't have to write it down. And then it becomes what? A part of your living. You have to do it. And number four, departure. If you are going to love the presence of God, you have to move away from certain things. Departure means you are moving from one place into what? Another direction. If you are departing, it means that you are, you, are, you are getting away from some place and you are going somewhere else. If you are going to have intimacy with the presence of God, you must depart from certain habits. You must depart from certain people. You must depart from certain addictions. You must depart from certain perceptions. 
there are some people from today you have to cut out of your life because they won't help you to develop intimacy with the presence of God. They always draw you back. You, you have to you have to work it and decide that Charlie, these people cannot be in my life again. Some of you from today, you have to go and take your phone, look at your phone, and say, Phone, I love you. But from today, we have to put you away and turn your data off and one, have one whole day without data. I learned when WhatsApp crashed for just a few hours, some people were getting mad. Their, their whole mind, them, like, it was like life had, life had crashed. Hey, what's up? Has just crashed. And life is like, it's like something is lost in your life. Hey, what's up? What's up? Can cost your whole life. Like, someone told me the other day, she said, Pastor, when I don't have data, something is happening to me. Hey, when she doesn't have data, what something is happening to her. Like, life is... She feels like, I'm losing something in life. Hey, how can you live your life that way? If you're going to be in the presence of God, you have to decide to depart from some things. You have to leave some things behind. It has to, and it has to be something that you, you work at consciously. And I told you some time ago, that as your pastor, one of the things that I do for most 90-something percent of my my time is that before I go to bed, I turn my data off. Because I'm a human being like you. When I wake up in the morning and I check my phone for my time and I see messages, I'm, I'll be tempted to read them. I don't want to see them. So when I'm going to sleep, data off. Unless I dozed up, then my, even now when I wake up in the night and I see, I just slide them and then turn data off. Why? Because I want to wake up to something beyond everything that is happening on the phone. I want to wake up to the presence of God. So you have to decide to depart from what? Some things. There's a time I had to exit a certain WhatsApp group because Charlie, the things we were discussing that were not relevant to me. I mean, uh, even without a WhatsApp group, I'm trying hard. Then this was how good they are discussing this football has done this, this, that, that, that. Then they'll bring some conversation with something. Then Jack, I looked at it. I said, You people do not take me to heaven. <laughs> it was difficult. You want to exit the group? Yes. You want to delete the chat? Yes. And that was it. So you have to what? Depart. And number five, destination. You have to get to the goal where you are going. You have to set a goal for yourself, and that must be your destination. Tell yourself that this first half of the year, I want to be able to spend no less than one hour in the presence of God. That is what? A goal. That is a destination. And work towards it. Then when you get there, now say the next quarter, I'm going to go beyond that. You must have what? A destination in mind. You know, if you don't have a destination, and the trotter drivers are passing by, Cycle. You can jump into a second car. You can jump into an Accra car. You can jump into a La Paz car. And, and the mate will ask you, oh, quite a mini, maybe I'm a car. They will drop you. Because <laughs> you don't have any, if you don't have any destination, you have no business jumping on the car. But if you have a destination, you know that a cycle car cannot get me to La Paz. 
the moment you set a destination and a goal for yourself that maybe I'm going to pray for every three hours every day, that becomes your destination. So you don't take a one-hour car. You take what? A three-hour vehicle. You take a vehicle that would take you three hours in the presence of God. So you have to what? Set a destination and go for yourself. I want to build intimacy with God to this level. I want to get to this level in my work with God. And the moment you set that, you will be able to what? Get there. And I pray for every one of us that we will develop this principle of dwelling in the presence of God. Dwelling in the secret place. Abiding in the secret place. So that what? We shall abide under the shadow of of the Almighty. Can I tell you, people of God, that there's so much God wants to do for you. There's an abundance of blessing that God has for you. But you can't go ahead of Him and get a blessing. You have to choose Him first. When you have Him, you have everything that He has. When you pursue God, you get what? Everything that He has. Some of us are getting it wrong. You are chasing after the things. And then, and God says that I am the embodiment of the things. Come after me and you get all the things. So I pray that each of us would dwell in the secret place of the Most High and we shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Shall we just close our eyes in a moment? We want to rise to our feet and we'll close our eyes in a moment and just begin to talk to the Lord and tell the Lord that Lord, I want to I want to dwell in your presence.